What's up, everybody? This is Jason Copel, president of NYSF Magazine, and I'm here with my boy Don Drew, ready to drop some knowledge on you. Yo, here we go, episode seven of the One on One podcast. I'm Don Drew, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Don Drew. You may or may not know that I've spent my whole life suffering in agony as a New York Jets fan, but my next guest has taken his frustration and anger into his own hands, spearheading crusades for personnel changes throughout the organization. He's the president of NYSF Magazine and the proud leader of the Lunatic Fringe. I go one-on-one with Jason Copel now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the one-on-one podcast. I'm Don Drew with my guest, Jason Copel. He is the founder of uh, NYSF Magazine for the New York sports fan. Jason, welcome to one-on-one. Pleasure to be here, man. Hey, what's going on? Uh, so where do you want to st- – let's start with the origin of the magazine. I was kind of flipping through it. And you guys are all over the place in print. Absolutely. So we have over 400 locations throughout northern New Jersey that we distribute. We got uh, you know quite a nice uh, subscriber base also that we send directly to their houses. Um, you know, magazine started off, uh, years ago, actually. So it's funny, we could talk about this for probably hours, but I'll give you the shortened version. I mean, in 2014, um, right after the Jets Bills game where, uh, Geno Smith threw like three interceptions in the first quarter and, uh, you know, the infamous John Idzik press conference that followed the following day, uh, myself, my brother, and two of our friends completely lost our minds as we tend to do with, uh, with this organization. And, um, I put up a website, kind of as a joke, just a way to vent, um, you know, calling out Jets fans to donate to try and get a billboard to get John Idzik fired. Um, so, so that's where so so Idzik was the inspiration for you. Yeah. The brutal, the brutal John Idzik was the inspiration for you to start the magazine. Well, not so much. I mean, it's it's interesting how the whole thing went down. So, so uh, you know, we obviously uh, that that campaign took off. Um, got a lot of attention. Obviously we had billboards and we had planes flying and we had, um, you know, we had a separate group of jet fans actually were flying planes and wound up getting together with those guys because we had a common cause and, and, uh, you know, we had rally towels at the outside of the games calling for him to be fired. We had, you know, flyovers of practice, all kinds of crazy stuff. And at the end of the season, he got fired. Now, I don't know, you know, how much of our, um, you know, of our campaign influenced that. I'm sure that Woody Johnson didn't want any more of that going on. It was going to continue, um, probably only get louder after that. Um, but once it got fired, um, you know, we all kind of got back to our normal lives, except that I was really enjoying the interaction on social media and all that stuff. Um, didn't want to be, you know, I heard some of the rumblings out there, people saying, you know, that guy's a real classless bum, spending all that money to try and get another man fired, you know, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I was never really on Twitter and all that stuff. And, and you know, reading all the all these, you know, terrible things that were being written about me, I kind of, you know, wanted to prove that I wasn't such a bad guy after all. So I got together with a couple different Jet fans, um, you know, Fireman Ed being one of them, uh, you know, Tyson Roush at Talk Jets Radio, Kevin Sirkin at Talk Jets Radio, and a couple other guys. And, and uh, I started a website called NY Jets Fans. And um, NY Jets Fans was fantastic. I mean, it was the whole point of it was to, was to show the, uh, you know, the, the masses that how much talent, creative talent, writing, designers, um, you know, all that stuff uh, was out there amongst Jet fans. So, 
we had a great website going. Um, we got credentialed by the Jets uh, to be there at training camp. And, and uh, you know, they kind of gave me a, a lecture about um, their feelings of the whole John Idza campaign. And, and uh, there were still some holdovers that were inside so, the front office. So they gave you credentials despite an open campaign to fire the general manager. Yeah, well, look, I got a lecture from uh, Bruce Spate, who was the, uh, you know, the, the, the guy um, who was the head of media relations at the time. He's no longer with the organization. And he explained, you know, um, the way that, that uh, you know, that impacted things down there and, and how, um, unfortunately, you know, that, that, you know, there was families involved and stuff like that and, and seeing that kind of stuff going on. And I understood his perspective. And I also explained to him my perspective as a paying customer and as a huge Jets fan how sick and tired we were of, you know, of, of having incompetent management. I mean, it, this isn't just John Idzik. This was a, a, a culmination of frustrations, um, you know, going back, going back quite a ways. And, uh, you know, and it's only gotten worse ever since, unfortunately. So, right. So, um, and we'll get, we'll get to that. Yeah. But ha- so how does a fledgling website created by a fan base get a media credential? So um, <laughs> it's an interesting question. So, you know, look, I, I reached out to the organization. I told them that, you know, I didn't want to be this divisive, you know, person that, that was known for being, uh, you know, for, for having um, these, these, you know, outlandish takes and, and uh, you know, and, and for causing divide and stuff like that, that I am at my core a huge Jets fan. I, I, I grew up, you know, going to Jets games from the time I was a little kid. I, I, uh, my family's had season tickets since I was six years old. Um, I was going to games with my father, then my stepfather, my mom got remarried. He's a huge Jet fan. He had nine tickets on in Section 131 in Giant Stadium. So my brother and I split, you know, going back and forth, uh, sitting with my father and my stepfather. Um, I went to college in Philadelphia, still drove up for all the games uh, to be with my family and friends. I, I moved down to Richmond, Virginia for four years in 2006, 2010, woke up every Sunday. And right, but there's 80,000 the there's 80, fans in the building that don't have media credentials. Right, so exactly. So anyway, long story short, I, I reached out to them because I wanted to um, I, I wanted to work with them. I didn't want them to think that that you know that I was trying to uh, you know be a jackass. That I, I wanted them to understand that I had nothing but the best intentions. I was told by Bruce Spade at the time that I was going to be judged on how things went going forward. Um, that they were going to wipe the slate clean and that they were going to um, allow me to be credentialed just for training camp. It was a, it was a uh, you know according to them it was a probationary credential and that. I could work our way up to being fully credentialed. So, so you, know, you had to, was, so you had to kind of play the game for a little bit. Right. Exactly. So I was there from 2015, from, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 20, for, 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 uh, you know, for five years, um, writers, guys, partners, everybody, you know, we, we were able to go observe training camp and obviously we did a lot of things with players. I did a lot of t-shirts with players just from contacting them on social media we got a lot of interviews with a lot of the players for the magazine and we, I'm sorry, for, for the, initially for the podcast, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, and we just started working with a lot of the players and we really proved ourselves. We did a lot of charity events. We did a lot of wonderful things for the fans, uh, meetups, tailgates, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Just, you know, again, trying to uh, bring the fan base together and, and uh, you know, create something out of nothing. So I wanted to turn the, the John Idzik stuff into a positive. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, um, it was never my plan to go ahead and do another campaign to get another man fired. Um, you know, I did make promises that I wouldn't do that 
um, to the organization. But, you know, I felt throughout the years that, uh, you know, that a lot of things were told to me that were, you know, that, that were complete lies, uh, promises that were made to me that, you know, of, of being fully credentialed if we did certain things. Um, the organization so, came so they after told me you that They told you that if your content was pro-Jets or not incendiary, that they would give you a full credential for the season. Yeah, so I was given a choice. Uh, okay, so here's what happened. In 2018, um, we launched NY Jets fans, uh, the mag- NYJF magazine, which stood for New York Jets fans, and they were fully aware of it. Um, I, I sent them copies to the front office. Um, you know, they, they credentialed us under that name. And at, I made the mistake, you know, one, the, the, the only holdover from the fire John Idzik campaign, um, the people that we were trying to get fired was Idzik, uh, Terry Bradway, and Neil Glatt. So Bradway and, and Idzik were fired. Neil Glatt stayed. Neil Glatt, um, I tried to have a working relationship with the guy, but unfortunately, um, you know, he just didn't seem to really have much interest. Fair enough. I tried to get the man fired. Right. Well, well yeah. So, so let's play devil's advocate. Like if somebody tried to get you fired, how would you feel? Okay. What I, how would I feel? I would probably be man enough to explain to that person to, you know, exactly how I felt rather than make him a whole bunch of promises. And then three, four, five years later, do what he did. Now, here's what happened. So we came out with the magazine. Magazine was doing well. We came out with a few issues. And then all of a sudden, I received a letter, a cease and desist letter from the NFL's lawyers um, at the behest of, of Neil Glatt. And they basically nuked my entire company. So wait, basically- so they, gave you, they sent you a cease and desist for just having a Jets fan website? Correct. They bullied me. They, they used under, their, what, their- under what pretenses? Oh man, the the list of things that they were claiming were outlandish. I mean, we did a couple things wrong that were minor. Um, we used some photos we shouldn't have used, and uh, you know, and and but long story short, they were claiming these outlandish things that you know it was like a, a never ending list of things. They didn't want me to use the color green in our magazine. They didn't want us to use NYJF. They claimed ownership over NYJF because it had NYJ in it. And, and they claimed uh, that we were that, that the magazine was too close to something that they would produce and that it was, uh, you know, infringing on their trademark and that it was con- causing consumer, um, you know, causing consumer confusion into thinking that it was actually something that was put out by the Jets, even though the name of this, the thing was New York Jets fans. And there was no possible way that any person could possibly assume that that uh that that magazine was being put out by the jets so at that point that's when you transitioned it to call it the new york sports fan correct because you know what all i wanted to do is be able to create a magazine you know i i wanted to be able to continue doing what we were doing we were promised by jaime elhai who was the team lawyer at the time who's now the team president that if we went ahead and um and switched everything up and rebranded our magazine that we would get special consideration and we would be fully credentialed um, that was his promise to me, uh, that, that, that they would look into that. They would, you know, that, that, that we would have those discussions in the future. And, uh, we, and then as soon as I rebranded radio silence and that was it, they basically bullied me into doing something I didn't want to do and then completely lied to me and, and went back on all their promises. So, you know, unfortunately I had a really good relationship with, with a couple of the people still down there. Um, I, I, I do feel bad about how things worked out, but, um, 
when the when when the Jets got off to a one and seven start, you know, I never was with the whole Adam Gase uh, signing in the first place. Right. Um, you know, well, I, I want to get to the Gase. I want to get to the right. Gase thing. I don't want to. I don't want to jump ahead. Um. So, but rewinding a little bit, what did you do? What, I mean, what do you do outside of the magazine? Do you you know what's your professional background prior to that? Okay, so besides magazine, magazine's more of a, uh, of, a of a hobby and and uh, you know something that we're trying to turn into a business. I own a graphic design and printing company. I also um, you know I, I also do a lot of freelance for a lot of the Jersey Shore bars and nightclubs. I, I do a lot of social media management and uh, and graphic design for them. And then on top of that, you know, ever since I moved to Florida uh, last year, I do a consulting for a uh, for an events company down here. Did your did your fractured relationship with the organization affect your feeling for the team? It's a tough question. I mean, honestly, uh, no, I separated, I separated the two because, um, you know, I, I, it hurts. I mean, you know, I, I feel like that, um, yeah, look, I understand why they were mad about the initial campaign, but again, I was told things that, you know, we were going to be judged by the way, by our actions going forward. I was a model citizen with them ever since. And then they took a swipe at me four years later, tossing their legal dogs on me and, and creating a really difficult situation. So, yeah, I mean, that's difficult for me to live with being a season ticket holder, a paying customer and, and a diehard fan. But at the same time, I love the logo, man. I don't, I don't have any love for Woody, Chris Johnson. I don't care about them. I don't care about the front office. I care about going to the games with my friends, enjoying our and family, enjoying ourselves, tailgating, and, you know, hopefully seeing the Jets win a Super Bowl at some point. So I'm able to separate the two. Um, I, I, I can't stand the front office. Um, but at the same time, I, I still love the team. So do you think that any part of you, um, when you crusade against a, a GM or a coach or you're extra vocal, is any part of that spite related because they went back on those promises is there any like hey man fuck these guys i'm gonna you know i'm gonna lash out we're gonna you know do all that stuff well i wouldn't say it's spite i mean this is what i would say about that it's not necessarily spite it's just that you know if to me you know if you're gonna lie to me and go back on your word and and do and and do things to me that you know we were supposed to have have had a fresh start you know then you're not going to get special consideration and, you know, you're not going to get a, a favorable pen. You're not going to get any sort of, uh, you know, look, I've had issues with this organization going back before the Idzik stuff. I mean, you know, it goes back to really when MetLife Stadium and the PSLs were, were, were initiated. I mean, I found that really insulting to the fan base. I know that other teams do it, but, you know, they called my family up looking for, a, you know, we had nine tickets, like I told you, on, in Section 131 in the old stadium. They wanted $25,000 apiece for those nine tickets for the PSL, so they wanted $225,000, plus the, the tickets were going up from $100 a ticket to $700 a ticket, so they wanted $63,000 for the first year. So if we wanted to renew our tickets, they wanted $288,000. Right, that or you had to move to a, to a shittier seat. Right, so I, I, like, yeah. if you're going to be calling up your fans asking for a quarter million dollars for, for the first year of tickets, then you better be prepared to listen to opinions when your team stinks for a full decade. So, you know, like – I. It became, you know, the, the Jets used to be the best value in town, Drew. You know, the, these guys, you know, we, going back to like the, the late 90s, like when Parcells was here, Jet tickets were like 25 bucks, like 50 bucks, yeah. you know, like, you know, and that wasn't that long ago. We're talking 20 years ago. And then even like, 
you know, even, even as things went forward, I was looking at my Jets Jaguars uh, 1998 playoff ticket. The, the face value on that ticket, I think, was like $48 for a playoff seat. You know, they haven't been in the playoffs since this, at home, a home game since 2002. But it is, 20, it is 22 years later, and inflation, and, and, and the entire league has blown up since then. And I'm not defending, by the way, I'm not defending the team because, you know, I had season tickets in the old building, and I have season tickets in my life. So I agree with everything you're saying. I'm saying that to say that, you, you know, look, I mean, you know, all of these premium experiences, you know, whether it be the Yankees or the Jets or the Mets or the Nets – or the Knicks, or, or any of the teams, even across the country, and New York is worse than than anybody than any of the other cities. But you know, all these ticket prices have increased. The Jets have not increased their prices more than the other local teams. No, but I mean, look at the Yankees. Even, like, like the Yankees win championships, and even they can't fill their lower sections anymore. So it's like you know, they're they're pricing people out, and they're pricing out. No doubt about it. That's why, that's why you get the experience that you get on game day. So you go to a Jets game nowadays. And it's half the, you know, it's, it's half opposing fans, if not more. There's no crowd noise. You know, we brought, we well, helped part of that, part, back and, part and, of that, even, part of that, though, Jason. no, 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 part, it's, 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 it's a good point. But part of that is they did price people out, but the, the advent of, of Ticketmaster and StubHub and some of the other online networks where it's so much easier to sell tickets have made it easier for opposing fans to buy up seats. It's not Absolutely. just also during that same time, that same window where access for out-of-market fans to get tickets has gotten easier, during that same time, the, this, the team has had the worst stretch in the history of their franchise, and the history sucks. So, <laughs> you know, both things happen where, you know, I, I do believe, and I'm not shilling for the organization at all because I have no relationship with them. But I do believe if we had a 12-win team, you would have 80,000 Jet fans in the building. Listen, a 12-win team will cure all, but I have, I've seen this team win 12 games exactly once One in my 40-year life. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, we're talking about, like, yeah, you better, you better start putting a product out there the fans are going to want to go see. Because I'm going to tell you what, if this team goes, like, 6-10 and 10 this year and they bring and, – and they – I mean, they're going to have a huge attendance issue this year. But, you know, because they don't have the same – you know, they had, they had all East Coast teams on their schedule last year and they had a lot of teams that – travel you know opposing fan bases that travel really well yeah dude they're gonna they have ended up third in attendance according to their numbers it's at the, the, i don't believe those numbers for a second honestly i mean i, I know i the know building those was full. Are- i went to the games i went to all the games the building was full i mean now granted you know steelers cowboys giants those fans filled the building so that's gonna add the attendance browns dude, there are a lot of browns fans there on monday night football there absolutely no question that was a holiday weekend that place was packed with browns fans yeah so you know, look, it is what it is, but, you know, that, that's just, you know, you go to a Cowboys game in Dallas and there's tons of opposing fans because it's a destination place to go. So is New York. New York's a destination. You can get tickets relatively cheap here nowadays, so it's going to be tough. But, yeah, you're right. A 12-4 and four situation would cure all, but we got to win 12 games for that to happen. And, I, I mean, it, this team isn't winning 12 games this year, I can tell you that. And, uh, you know, the question is, what's it going to take to get John uh, – to get John – to get Adam Gase out of here um, – how many wins? I mean, if you win six games, they're going to bring him back. Seven. So I, so I know. I mean, before and I want we're going to get. I want to. I want. We're going to take. We'll do the break. We'll get to Gase on the back end. But before we do that, I want to ask one question: Is you've been branded by some of the local media guys as the leader of the lunatic fringe? 
proudly. Do you think that there's a little truth to that? Look, I, I, listen, the lunatic fringe, I mean, they, they don't really, so like, a, I think the guy that said that was, uh, was what, it was Costello or Samini, it was, it was one of them. Um, Samini has me blocked, so it, it was probably, if I saw it, it was probably Costello. Yeah, I think it was Costello. I mean, listen, lunatic fringe is, is a relative term. Yeah, we're a fan. Like, think about fan is short for fanatic. We're all lunatics. We spend absurd amounts of money to watch a terrible team year after year. You'd have to be a little crazy to do that. You know, we, we keep coming back, right? So, like, they call us the lunatic fringe, but I don't look at us as, as lunatics. What I look at us as vocal fans who are sick and tired of being force-fed a terrible product. And you don't think it's a lunatic move to fly a plane to get a guy fired? Desperate times call for desperate measures, man. I mean, what are you, you going to do? It's, it's, uh, well, what, I, other it's, way, what, what other way can, can, can I get through to, to these guys? Honestly, no, I, I really would love to know that. Like, like if, 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 I, if we don't do crazy stuff like that, right? If, if I send my ticket rep an email, then what happens? If I send them a letter in the mail, what happens? If, if, we, you know, if we get everybody together and put a petition together on – you know, on like, uh, you know, on, on one of those petition apps, what happens? I mean, the only way to, to get through to these guys and to a billionaire is to embarrass him. And I hate to do that, honestly, because it, I, I would much rather be cheering for wins and, and uh, you know, and, and going to, to, uh, to playoff games and, and planning road trips and all that stuff than be messing around. And I, I already said, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm not doing any more of that crap, man. I'm, I'm done with the billboards and the planes and all that stuff. I, I honestly... You know, I, I, we did it the first time, and I think that it was effective. The second time, this time, I mean, obviously, Gase is back. I mean, you know, I, I think that it, that it may have had the reverse effect where, you know, Chris Johnson was like, F these guys. You know, there's – Emboldened him, yeah. It, 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 so, of course, so he goes out and he speaks the following week after the plane goes up in the air that he ain't going anywhere. So, you know, it's like, you know, look, this team um, – I'll tell you what's happening is that and I hate to say this, and I felt this way all offseason and, and even during the draft. I mean, you know, apathy starting to set in where I don't really care as much. It's the same thing that's happening with the Knicks right now. So, like, I, the Knicks have been so bad for so long that, like, I don't even find, like, the juices flowing anymore. Like, I don't – I don't like, I just don't care as much as I used to. So, like, that's what's happening with the Jets right now is, like, apathy starting to set in. And to me, if I'm Chris Woody Johnson, the Jets front office – I would much rather have a lunatic fringe that's still continuing to pay for tickets than have apathetic fans who no longer care. And, you know, they're getting on, they're teetering on that edge. And, and that's, you know, that's the really unfortunate thing. They'll see how fast lunatic fringe turns into whatever. You guys so, suck again. Great. So one of the things that, that I've noticed, uh, you know, following you and, and, and hearing you talk, whether it be, you know, on a fan with Joe and Evan or, you know, through any of the other media channels is that, you've kind of aligned with Manish and then labeled the other beat guys as Jets PR mouthpieces. Right. So I, I wouldn't say I have a line with Manish. Um, when I did the Idza campaign, funny story about Manish. So when I did the, the Idza campaign, um, I was very, very, very anti-Manish. I, I was, before I, I was involved in, in Jets media, and before I saw what goes on behind the scenes over there, um, I thought that Manish was just a troublemaking jackass that used to make up stories, just like a lot of people think nowadays, you know, and, um, and M Manish wanted to do an article and, and, you know, 
back then and, and we kind of turned it down and, and, and I kind of regret doing that, but you know, we kind of turned it down and I said, you know, Manish, like we're trying to be the voice of jet fans right now. And I don't think that doing an article with you would be the best thing for us to do. Um, you know, because, uh, because of your reputation in the jets community, I, you know, so we stayed away from Manish at that time. Now that said, I have years of, of seeing what's going on down there. And yo, let me tell you something, man, jets PR. And I'm not talking about the, the regular PR guys. Um, I'm not going to name anybody by names, but if anybody's watching this, then I'm sure they're going to be watching this because they watch everything that I do. Um, I do genuinely feel bad when I say Jets PR because there are people down there that I genuinely care about, that I really like, that I really appreciate. It's their boss. It's, it's the higher-ups down there that are, that are making the moves. And, you know, this guy, uh, Gelfand, that used to be uh, James Dolan's uh, PR mouthpiece is now, you know, inside the Jets front office creeping around. And, and I think that, that I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted by some of the things that he does. And, you know, and, and I hear about it. I hear about it from friends I still have inside that building. Um, I'm, not a, a, I'm not hated overall by all the people down there. I, I have good relationships with a lot of people still down there. And uh, Manish happened to be this year, if you're keeping an open mind, the only one down there who was actually doing reporting. Uh, Brian Costello was putting out, garbage he was putting out you know pr pieces for the organization and for adam gase spinning things passing excuse after excuse now i didn't have so much of a problem with samini um samini unfortunately i don't know why samini was the one who broke our john idzik story and was all over it or one i'm sorry <laughs> amazingly enough costello broke the john idzik story then a couple of years later he was so quick to call us the leaders of the lunatic fringe now, it was great when he was getting tons of clicks and everything out of it before. Now he's all of a sudden thinks it's ridiculous for fans to do that. Samini also. Samini had no problem covering it for the – we were on the front page of ESPN.com with millions of views when we did the Idza campaign. This one comes out, and all of a sudden, Samini – all of a sudden, you know, Jet fans are better than that. You know, like, like, like – so these guys, they, they don't have real opinions. They, they, they might have real opinions, but they don't write about their real opinions. They're putting out whatever they feel but like. These, but, Jason, these guys are journalists, and they've seen coaches and front office guys come and go. Correct. And they outlast all those guys, right? Correct. Right. So, and part of being a journalist is to curry favor with the people in power, right? Because that's how you get access. And right. that access gets you, you know, the ability to get scoops and stories and, mm -hmm. and, and those things. Now, that said, you know, calling those guys PR mouthpiece is attacking their integrity as reporters. Is that maybe a little, a little bit much or, or, or do you genuinely think that that's what they're doing? That they're just, you know, an Adam Gase bullhorn. I think that many of them are Adam Gaze bullhorns that they're doing. They're doing, I think that what you said is absolutely correct. And I think that that's just the media in general. Um, but didn't he do the same thing with the McCagnan crew? I mean, he absolutely could have you. I think, I think it's very possible that, that, I mean, listen, because, I mean, listen, nobody, the, the matter is I, I wasn't, you know, <laughs> these guys, nobody screamed louder than Manish when McCagnan and Heimerdinger got fired. It correct. was obvious that they were, they were his guys based on just based on his reaction. Correct. And, and 
and listen, and, and I have no, I don't have any a relationship with any of these guys. So I have no dog in this fight, right? I'm just asking these questions because I see it. And, you know, I, I, I read all the things from around the league, from around sports, right? I see all the media takes. And I don't think there's another guy that attacks players and coaches and, and carries such an agenda as Manish does. He's literally the most toxic writer in maybe all of sports. I had Canizero on the pod, and he said that he wasn't always like that. And when he worked for, I don't know if it was NJ.com or whatever it is, before he Star went Ledger. to – Star Ledger, that's right. Sorry. Before he went to the Daily News, he didn't do that. And, and I thought it was funny that he was the one banging the drum for Gase. And then the minute Gase doesn't give him the access he wants, the minute his relationship with Gase severs, he's the one leading the charge. And then guys like you align with him because your narratives coincide. Okay. Or that's your agendas coincide. Everything you're, that, is a, everything you're saying is a fair point. But, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, I felt personally attacked on a lot of levels. Um, and he was the one person down there whose opinion I agreed with. And so like, regardless of, of circumstance and regardless of, uh, you know, of, of how it all played out. I mean, it could have been, it could have been Manish. It could have been anybody that, that, that took a stance against Gase and what was going on down there. Um, I felt that at a lot of times, regardless of, of past issues that fans have had with him, that Manish was being the one person down there that was being not only fair, but also, if you've noticed in the offseason, he's been going to bat for fans for, you know, on a lot of different issues that I happen to agree with as well. I mean, he... Yeah, he, because, he they said, align, because they align with him. How come... All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you that. I, asked, I had Ken Azaro on the pod, and I asked him this question. How come the entire beat hates him? That he's a, a, a legit... If he's such a good reporter, and he's doing you know, the work of the fans. How come the whole beat hates him? And even guys like Ken Azaro, who's not a beat writer, he's a columnist, mm-hmm. right? And I think, and listen, I might, again, I don't have a relationship with Mark. He was nice enough to do the pod. I respect the shit out of him as a journalist. I think he's one of the best sports writers in the city. And he even said, he came right out and said that the guy's toxic and that the whole, that all the other writers hate him. If that's the case, don't you think that if he was doing that work and he was doing it legit, that he wouldn't be a complete outcast? If all the guys go to dinner and they don't invite this guy? Hey, listen, they all can't be universally loved like me, right? I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, I, I can't speak for Manish. I can't speak for, uh, you know, for, for – But you hitched for, your wagon. You hitched your wagon to him. I, I agreed with a lot of the stuff that he was saying, and I think that it's different than hitching my wagon to him. I mean – Look, I, I, like I said, I agreed with a lot of stuff that he said. Um, you know, the, these, these situations are what they are, man. It's, uh, we got, we got like, uh, you know, they, they, they launched a full-on attack against me personally and, and you know, what we were doing um, rather than addressing the actual issues. And they have my phone number. If they had anything that they wanted to say, they always could have called me. I, I offered to speak to them. They didn't want to talk. Um, so, you know, I, I happen to agree with Manisha's takes on this one. And I just try to keep an open mind and, and uh, you know, and basically, you know, side with whoever it was that, that agreed with what I was saying. I mean, you know, 
I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with what we did. I, I'm sorry. I mean, I know that there's some people out there that think that, that, that there is, but I mean, this is America. You're allowed to speak up. You're allowed to gather people together who have like, likewise opinions and, and, and have your voices heard. That's what freedom of speech is all about. That's what, you know, they, they censored me. Dude, the Jets, I had, a, I had a contract in place with a billboard company to put up a freaking billboard. And the Jets went to this billboard company and figured out a way to make it so that I could, so that they wouldn't take my business, even though I had a signed contract. So like, you know, this is the type of stuff they were doing. It was like, it was so petty. I mean, and, and then, so what did I have to do? And I had to spend the money. I raised it for that purpose. So instead of putting up a freaking billboard that was going to be up for one weekend, I had to hire a truck to drive around their facility to embarrass them. And I want to do that. I don't want to do that, but I had to spend the money or else the people were going to say, oh, this guy raised a whole bunch of money and stole it. Like, what was I supposed to do with it? So I had to spend it. So that's what we did. You know, they, they, and, and I think that like, you know, a lot of decisions they make down there are petty and, you know, it's all, it's all nonsense, but that's what kind of organization they have down there. And if Manish is going to be the one guy calling those guys out, then I guess I got to agree with Manish on this one. And that's how it played out. All right, let's take a break. And then I want to come back and talk about your favorite subject, the head coach. Sounds good. Are you bored? Looking for a fun investment opportunity? Consider getting into sports cards. The perfect way to start is by getting in on a case break with my good friends over at MV Treasures NH Case Breaks, New England's number one card breaking service. Just go on their eBay and bid on your favorite team and watch the live stream to see what cards they pull for you. Autographs, parallel variations, one-on-ones, all sorts of great hits. Check them out on Instagram and Twitter at MVTNH Breaks. And on Facebook and YouTube at MV Treasures NH Case Breaks. The next break is live Friday night at 9 p.m. Auctions end at 7, so make sure you get your bids in so you don't miss out. All right, we're back on the one-on-one pod with Jason Coppell, New York Sports Fan Magazine, leader of the Fire Adam Gase Brigade. So it's the worst-kept secret in New York and probably around the country at this point, did you hate this coach? Now, I don't, he's the most unpopular coach in franchise history. Okay. The whole fan base hates him, but you hate him on a level that's, I don't know if it's rational. Why do you <laughs> hate Gase so much? And when I put, okay. and when I put the, when I put the artwork on this episode, I'm going to use the, the clown makeup magazine cover. Because you, yeah. you, you dressed them up as a clown. Well, I didn't do that. I mean, I, I, I had my guy do it, but yeah, I got to give a shout out to, to my boy because, uh, you know, Ed West, he's, he's unbelievable with his watercolor paintings. And we, uh, you know, he was actually not so quick to, to, to get involved with it until we lost to Miami. And then a couple of days later, it showed up in my email box. And the guy drew, I mean, he's just an, an incredible artist. Um, yeah, it's, you know, look, I don't hate Adam Gates. I, that's, that's, I hate his, his terrible coaching. I mean, I don't hate the man. I, I, I don't have any underlying hatred of the guy. Um, okay, so, so let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. So he had a brutal start to the season. They went one and seven. Yep. Right? The apologists will say tons of injuries mono for the quarterback all the reasons right they'll list all the reasons why the team went one and seven and then he finishes six and two right and 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 the the apologists won't mention 
that the record the record of the teams down the stretch was weak. They didn't really play anybody good. Oakland was overrated. Steelers weren't that good. They beat all those teams. Buffalo was was uh, playing backups, right? I, I get all that. Went zero and two against two winless teams down that stretch, too. I mean, yes, he did. But six and two in the NFL is six and two in the NFL. It is right, and he did it with, you know, a ton of guys on IR, right? Mm-hmm. So while they were playing shitty teams, they were a shitty team. Yes, and and they still were able to muster up six and two. Do you give Shout the coach any? Williams. Do you give the coach any credit for that? Any at all? I give him credit for this. I mean, if we're being fair, I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, and, and spew some kind of rhetoric. I mean, he kept he, – his job as a head coach is, is to uh, keep the guys playing. We've seen teams quit on, on Todd Bowles in the past. We've seen um, – you know, we've seen like, you know, I, I didn't see any, necessarily any quit in this team, so I got to give him credit for that. Um, I don't give him credit for having the worst offense in the league. I mean, you know, this team won games almost specifically because – Greg Williams did a masterful job on the defensive side. I mean, with, 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 uh, without Greg Williams, you know, there, we had a, maybe, what, two good offensive performances down the stretch, I guess, against Washington and uh, the Raiders, right? I mean, I, but, you know, you, you, you look at the rest of those games, and they were one on the defensive side of the ball. We got all kinds of crazy, uh, you know, defensive scores, special team scores, um, and still, you know, we're, we're one of the worst scoring teams in football. So, I mean, this, this team was just it, – it, it was what it was. I mean, they, they, they parlayed an impossibly easy schedule with no traveling. Uh, you know, they, they played every game on the East Coast. They played every game in the Eastern time zone. They, they you know, they, they played a slew of terrible quarterbacks uh, and were able to go 7-9. to nine. So, you know what? I knew after going 6-2 and two down the stretch – there were, that he wasn't going to be fired. I wasn't even necessarily rooting for them to lose because I think that even more important than anything or the most important thing out of, out of last season was to salvage a, a decent year for Sam Darnold. Um, he was up and down. He had some, some good games. I mean, that, that last game in Buffalo didn't inspire any confidence in me. I mean, they, they, yeah, they beat Buffalo, like you said, but they beat their practice squad, basically, when, when uh, Robbie Anderson was lining up against a freaking wide receiver, couldn't even get him the ball. So, I mean, you know, we, we, had, we have major issues on offense that I don't think are going to be solved by, will it help to have an improved roster? Sure. Would it help to have, you know, uh, less guys on IR? Sure. But if you look at Adam Gase's history of, as a head coach, and, you know, I think if it happened once or twice, then it's, you know, it could be a coincidence. But for all four years that he's been a head coach in this league, his teams have been brutally massacred with injuries every year. But and, all fair, all fair. But to fly a plane and a truck in the middle of the, f- the first year of the guy's tenure, did you jump the gun a little bit maybe? No, because I think that, this, that as I said, that Sam Darnold's uh, development is the most important thing. Um, see, there, there were two sides of that argument. The, the one side of it, the, the, what, what I guess people would call the Gase apologist would say, that the best thing for Sam Darnold is continuity. So have another year in, in sure. Adam Gates' system. And, you know, so he, so he doesn't have to learn a whole new system. And the counter argument to that is, but it's the worst system in football or one of the worst systems in football. So you're giving him now another year where you're wasting another year of his rookie deal and another year of his young development on a terrible system. And that was always my thinking was get this guy out of here as soon as possible so that we can start 
to at least have some optimism around here and at least put a system in place that will help Sam Donald. But so, they ran. I mean, but when you ran the Idzik campaign, it was the second year. Right. It wasn't the first year. And the first year was a complete disaster, right? So you had a full resume of garbage. Well, wait, the first year – sorry, I, I just got a call. I just had to break. No, um, the first year of Idzik actually wasn't a disaster. That was the 8-8 eight – eight, that was the 8-8 eight eight Geno Smith year. Um, right, but, but for know. a GM, it's not so much the record as it is the draft, the free agency – he spent right. no money. They had the most cap space, right? His drafts were completely abysmal, worse yeah. than McCagnan, Yeah. right? So your body of work for Idzik for the first 18 months of his tenure was the worst in, in the history of the franchise in a franchise that has a trash history. Right. So, so the body of work was greater. Gase, you were not even eight games into the season. Right, but, but Don, he inherited I mean, he inherited a roster he had no say over. And again, I'm not a Gase fan. I'm saying this just as, as a devil's advocate posing a question to a guy who's on an all-out crusade to fire the guy. Right, but also keep in mind that John Idzik was – his first year and his second year uh, here, he, he was a first-time GM, right? Like, like, there was no history to go on with John Idzik. All you had was that he came from a, a great system in, in Seattle and, uh, you know, and you were hoping for the best with him. And, and it wasn't even necessarily the first year – wasn't even necessarily enough time to be. They went eight and eight, and it wasn't necessarily enough time to um, to judge how god awful his drafts were at that point. Um, you know, Adam Gase has had three years as a professional head coach and was a complete failure in Miami. He was awful, and he came here as, with a reputation of of being this divisive locker room guy who caused problems and had issues with his with with his star players. And right off the bat, got into it with Le'Veon Bell. Right off the bat is having issues with guys like Quincy Newman who have never had issues in the past and having issues with, look, the assembly situation is what it is. I don't even want to comment on it. But if you go down the list, I mean, there's all kinds of guys filing grievances and all these issues. And, you know, on top of that, they started off one and seven. On top of that, the first, like for a couple of those games in the beginning, the Philadelphia game, the New England game, games like that. I mean, you know, I know that Sam Darnold wasn't around, but God, man, those teams didn't even step one foot off the bus. They look ridiculous out there. And that's unacceptable to me. I don't care who your quarterback is. You can't show up and play games like that in the NFL back to back to back to back. And they were just getting pummeled, just absolutely pummeled. And, you know, and then, and then they went out and, and of course, you know, I was the guy who filmed that video of Chris Johnson saying in right. that he hopes the team actually shows up today. Well, yeah, I had the same thought, Chris, but you're the owner of the team. And then they go out and they embarrass themselves in Jacksonville. And then the following week, they go out and they lose to winless tanking Miami. Now, I guess Miami got it together as the season went on. But when that loss happened, on, piled up with everything else that happened, and the team was 1-7, especially coming off of that, that, you know, earlier where you got a little glimmer of hope when Darnold came back and they actually beat the Cowboys at home and gave you some hope. It was a real – it was the worst-case scenario start. I had seen enough. I would seen enough of his three years in Did Miami. Did you start an online campaign to raise money to fire the coach. Well, it wasn't to the raise money to fire the coach. It was to raise money to voice our opinion to, to ownership the way we felt about the coach. How much did you that raise? Was, I think that it was like six thousand dollars or something like that. And then you and know, how much the, how much does the plane cost? Honestly, I, if I had the figures in front of me, I think the pl- the first plane was like fifteen hundred bucks, and then um, 
you know, and then we did the, uh, the, the billboard and we, like, I, I honestly so you do the billboard and the team shuts the billboards down. Right. Right. So did the billboard company refund you the money? So we actually, what happened, there's a funny story. They, they sent me an invoice. I went to go pay the invoice. And then I, I got a phone call from the guy as I was like about to click send with all my credit card information. He's like, you didn't pay for the billboard yet. And I was like, no. He goes, listen, we can't do it. I was like, what do you mean you can't do it? I have a signed contract from you guys. I'm about to pay it right now. And he's like, you can't do it. I was like, why? And he wouldn't tell me why. And then, he, and then, they, and then I got an email with some excuse about not being able to put this billboard paid for by Jets fans on it. And I said, well, why is that? That billboard had the exact same disclaimer as was on the John Idza campaign. It was the same billboard company. It was the same everything. And then he just, and then radio silence. He wouldn't get back to me until um, I, I put an article together explaining what was going on. And then I heard from them and they offered to, uh, to put up the billboard with a, with a revised disclaimer um, that was complete bullcrap. And I refused to do that. So I, so I, uh, you know, so when, once I refused to do it, I said, listen, I don't pay you money and you tell me what I'm going to do. I'll figure out a different way to spend this money. So, you know, what about the guys who say that these antics are all self-promotion? That's fair. I mean, people can say whatever they want to say, but I refuse to put any of my magazine information on there. I could easily listen. If I'm putting a billboard up on the New Jersey turnpike, it would be one hell of a promotion for my company to put NYSF magazine on there, put my, my, my Twitter ad or any of that stuff. I wasn't putting any of that stuff on there. And as far as anyone who saw that was was concerned, they weren't going to have any clue that it was put out by me, my magazine or anything like that. I mean, you know, people can consider it whatever they want. I know people are going to say that, but um, at the heart of it is just a diehard Jets fan that just wants to see this team win and is sick and tired of the terrible management and the terrible, you know, hires. So you so you don't pay for the billboard. You you did the plane, flies over to George Washington Bridge, fire Adam Gase now, and then you have some money left over. So you rent a truck, yep, with the fire Adam Gase branding on it. Drive it through Florham Park, through the facility, and it gets stopped by the cops. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Yeah. So they, they claim that it was a private road. I you know I got into it a little bit with the Florham Park PD on uh, on Twitter. And they say they, they, they claim they still claim to this day that it was a, uh, you know, a, a, a private road that, that the truck couldn't be on. Whether or not that's true, you know, that's I'll trust them. I, I don't have any issue with the Florham Park Police Department. I certainly am not going to start a battle with the Florham Park Police Department. They're just doing their jobs. Um, of course, they're going to do, you know, they're going to try and protect, I would imagine, the New York Jets, considering they're one of the biggest businesses in their town. Um, you know, I, it, that is what it is, man. They pulled it over the first time. They said that you have that that you can. They they checked it out, said you can continue, and then about twenty minutes later, they pulled it over again. They said you can't continue, and uh, at that point, it already accomplished its goal. I had to do a couple more laps around, you know, by on the outside on the public road, and that was it. Um, you know, we we just uh, I didn't want to do that though, man. Don, uh, Drew, I I really that was not my intention. I I didn't want to do anything. Um, near the facility that, that uh, I, I thought we could get our, our point across. That's why I flew, the, I flew the plane over New York City. I didn't fly it over practice. Um, the, the other group of Jet fans that did that, uh, you know, that, that flew over their practice, um, you know, I'm not trying to be a distraction to the players. I, I, I genuinely respect what the players are doing. They're out there trying their best. And I don't want to, you know, I, I felt that our point could be made and at the same time keeping it far away from there. Um, but – I kind of was forced into a situation where I had to do what I had to do because, like I said, I had to spend the money and I had to figure out 
some way to do it. You know, just so you know, nobody knows this, but I was going to actually do a billboard in Buffalo. The last week of the season, the, the game was in Buffalo, and I was going to do a billboard outside of the Buffalo um, airport when the, when the bus was leaving the airport or when the bus, you know, the, the plane flew in and they, they were going to see this billboard. And the billboard company somehow wouldn't take my business out there either. They didn't even know what the, what, you know, I didn't even send them the artwork yet. And they said, sorry, I guess they saw the, uh, you know, the, the email address and who knows, you know, what the hell was going on if they contacted anybody, but yeah, the, the, the Buffalo company wouldn't take it. So at that point, like I said, I had to spend the money and, and I came up with a creative way to do it. And you, so you spent, you spent all the money. Did you consider donating the money? I, I, look, I, we do a lot of charity stuff and I, I think it would have been a really nice thing to donate the money, but that's not what I raised the money for. So I'm not going to raise money for one thing and, and then spend it on something else. Right. That's the wrong thing to do. And, and right. But you maybe, you, maybe donate, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, and look, you know, people who donate to that kind of stuff, it's their money. They can do whatever the hell they want. I, you know, I, I get it, but you know, maybe you could have done something, I don't know. I don't know if it, it, look, I mean, look, it's as an opinion, maybe it's not the most productive use of funds in the world, you know? Listen, I mean, there's a lot of really unproductive ways to spend funds, right? I mean, you know, going to a MetLife stadium and buying a $15 beer or buying a, you know, going to a steakhouse and buying an $80, $70 steak is a pretty crappy use of funds, but people spend their money however they want. No, that's fair. So, so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, we are a very socially responsible uh, company. We, we did a huge charity event for Big Brothers Big Sisters that we do every year. We did one with Jamal Adams earlier on in the season. Um, you know, we we do uh, all kinds of charity fundraisers. We do every year around Christmas time. We we help uh, the Jersey City Fire Department and their toy drive. We do a lot of stuff for Toys for Tots. We do um, we did we raise money for pediatric cancer research when when uh, Brandon Marshall was here. We did some stuff for Project Three Seventy Five. Uh, we we donated the excess funds from the. Uh, from the uh, Fire John Idza campaign. I had to shut that campaign off. We had so much money that came in. I donated the excess funds that we didn't spend to Leah Still in the name of New York Jet fans to, pedi- you know, to her pediatric cancer thing. So we do a lot of really nice stuff for charity. Um, this just wasn't a charity thing. This was something that was intended right. to be spent on a purpose that I spent it on. It was your crusade. So now, so now that it failed and he's here, right? And he's probably going to be here another year he's probably going to get another year after this one regardless of what happens one would think it seems like it's headed in that direction well it, what if they go if they go six and ten you think he's back um let's see let let's see what what happens because you know are we there's a lot of questions are we going to have a regular training camp are we going to have you know regular games or are, are the teams going to be able to travel normally there's so many questions out there right now it's hard to imagine the NFL going off as normal and then being able to hold a coach accountable for a shitty season having to deal with all this stuff. So I, the way I think, I think he's entrenched with ownership and Joe Douglas, and I think he's, I think he's, I think he's going to be here for at least another year. You know, th- that's what I think. Um, yeah, even if he goes 6-10, and ten, I, I could see it. But – um. That said, are you go? Are, are have you given up on them? Are you are you still going to go to games? Are you? I know you said you're not doing the crusades anymore. You're not flying any more planes. Are you still going to go to games? Are you still? You know. Okay. Gonna, those are those are fair questions. I know where you're going with this. So here's the answer to that question, dude. I'm a Jets fan. 
You know what I hope more than anything? I hope that at the end of the day, that Adam Gase wins multiple championships here, and I am the biggest jackass on the planet. I would love that. I would love to come here next time, you know, next time we chat or, or you know, or, or, you know, I would love to put a billboard up that's apologizing to Adam Gase and calling myself a jackass. I'll have fun with it. I want the Jets to win games. I want him to be successful. I don't see it happening. I don't think he's capable, but I'd love for him to prove me wrong. So let's see it. I mean, he's here, and I'm a Jets fan. So what choice? But are you going to go? Are you going to be in the building? Are you going to spend your money on a team? I don't know. I mean, I, I, look, as you said, there's all these questions. I mean, I, who knows what's going to happen this year if, the, if, if fans will even be in the building anyway. So Fair. I, assuming, though, assuming that, you know, that's the case. Assuming we can get back to a place where there's 75, 80,000 in a building. Assuming all those things are, are the case. Are you going to be spending your money on the, the Johnson's product? Are you going to – all the things that, that you know, the, the coach that you hate, the front office that you have personal issues with, the all of it. Are you going to invest your money in their product? I love this team, uh, Drew, and and uh, the the the, sh- the short answer to that question is: Look, I live in Florida now. It's a little more difficult for me to get to games than it's ever been. Um, will I be there? You know, early on, yeah, absolutely. If this team um, gives me a reason to keep flying up for games, I'll keep going to games. But if, uh, if the team gets off to another one-in-six start, I'm not going to be flying up when this team is, is out of it in October, no, you know, late October, early November, and making, you know, uh, flying up to, to go sit in the cold to watch them, you know, play out the string of a season again. I, I can't take any more of that crap. So um, my family has the season tickets. We already paid our PSLs. They're paid off. And, uh, you know, like, will I go to games early? Of course. If this team is – as long as this team is competitive, I'll be at games. I know I, I said last year I probably wouldn't go back as long as as long as uh, I keep calling him Isaac. As long as Gase is here, um, you know. But you know, you get a fresh start to the season. You get the optimism going again. You get training camp. You get you know. I, I don't care who who the coach is at that point when you're zero and zero. Um, but he better get off to a, to a fast start, man. Because if not, I think that that you know it, that the the whole fire Adam Gase thing is only going to get louder and it, and you know 99.9% won't be me leading the charges time because honestly I, I just don't want to deal with it anymore but um but somebody's going to carry the torch and somebody's going to get you know get back involved with that and you know it's going to be uh it's going to be twice as bad this year as it was last year because you got another you know another year under the belt so he better get off to a good start that's it there would be nope. no excuses he needs to need to win games do you like Douglas um I, i'm very encouraged with Douglas i like what he did in the offseason very happy that he didn't make any splash moves. Very happy that he seems to have. You know, I like that he traded down a bit, got extra assets and picks. This roster's barren. Um, it's you know he filled in ten draft picks and or nine draft picks and and. Did you uh, like the draft? Yeah, look, I'm not the biggest draft guy, right? I'm 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 not like uh, you know one of the guys who does all these mock drafts and studies yeah, yeah, yeah. all these guys. I like to look at what happens, you know, what, who's drafted, and then do some research on those guys and see, you know, watch some game film and everything. Um, very encouraged by it. Um, you know, I, I think that, that uh, I would personally, I like Werfs a little more than Becton in that spot. Um, you know, but, but uh, I'm, I'm, listen, Joe Douglas is a former offensive lineman. I'm not going to question his expertise. I'm certainly no expert in that, in that field. Um, I, I definitely liked, uh, you know, going for a wide receiver in the second round. I think that Mims obviously has a lot of potential. And then as you go down the draft, I mean, I think there's some, 
some uh, interesting names, you know, throughout that, that I think that, uh, you know, can definitely contribute. And we definitely look end of the day. If, if Joe Douglas can't draft better than McCagnan and Idzik and all these other guys, we could have freaking Vince Lombardi here and it won't make a difference. Right. I mean, you know, That's you got to put players on this team. It's, it's time that, you know, that, that if you look at when the jets were good in, in 2009, 2010, 2011, those teams were, were loaded with talent that was drafted by, you know, those Eric Mangini, those couple of years Eric, with Revis and Mangle. It was Mangini and, and Tannenbaum really picked a ton of good guys. Totally. So, I mean, we got to get back to that. And once you get, once you stock the roster, then, yeah, then we're going to need a better coach, I think. And, and, you know, because I have no, I mean, be honest, Drew, do you think that, that, can you see the Jets winning big playoff games with, with, with Adam Gase? Can you see them like going to a Super Bowl with Adam Gase? Like, you know, no, I mean, no, I can't, but no, I can't, but I, I've spent my life watching Jet quarterbacks go in and out of systems and coaches, whether it be, you know, O'Brien with Walton and Coslett and, and then Cotite and, and Carroll and Grow and Parcells and Herm and, 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 and then even beneath the head coach, you know, it's Schottenheimer and it's, it's, you know, all these guys, Gates and all these guys that, you know, come in and, and, you know, Sanchez had in his four years here, he had three different OCs. Yeah. 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 So, and that's the history of the franchise. So to answer your question, the short answer is no, but, and I agree, Gase, his offense looked abysmal last year, you know, but I do think that the continuity and the consistency is important. I don't think that you can develop a young quarterback by having different coaches, you know, Bates and, and then, and then Dow Loggins and Gase, and then the next guy after you get him fired. And, you know, now it's the third guy in three years or the third guy in four years, whatever it ends up being, even if they fire him after this year. And then we'll be on to the next quarterback. And, and that so, – so the teams that win, they do have continuity and consistency. They, yeah, they pick better coaches. They pick better players. Right, but, but, but I get they all that. hire better. You, continuity comes with, with hiring the right guy. It doesn't come with, I agree. with the wrong guy. I do think it's fair to Gase to give him a roster that he, can, that he feels good about, that he can pick. I would have I would have held Gase more accountable for year one, and I don't like him. I think he's an asshole. I think he's an arrogant prick, and he's stubborn as hell. I, all those are qualities of poor leadership. But I do think that when you fire the GM after free agency and after the draft, that's that's boneheaded, and it's hard to hold Gase accountable because it's not his roster, and he clearly wasn't on the pa- same page with the guy. If they would have. Right, but- if that's they an ownership issue. I mean, that, that's fair. The, All the, fair, the, but the ownership is is just so dreadful of this organization. It just terrible. never ends. I mean, it's it, like they they just so, make the wrong decision every time, and that's why it's so frustrating. I mean, going back to your original question, is is some of that stuff you know out of spite you know toward towards the organization? Of course. I mean, yeah, because I'm sick and tired of them of them hiring the wrong guy and then continually. Do you think they don't? Let me ask this question, and we we'll, we're running low on time, so we'll wrap it up in a minute, but. I want to ask this question. Do you think that the Johnsons don't want to win? No, I think they, of course they want to win. I, I've said this before. I want to date Jennifer Addison, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, man. Like, just because you want something doesn't mean that, that it's going to happen. Like, I understand, but it's a difference. Want to Look, win. The, the, the Pittsburgh Pirates' ownership does not want to win. The fan base feels that the ownership doesn't care about winning. They just care about turning profits. If, if the Johnsons' intent is to win, and they're just inept. 
it's a little easier to swallow. Not all, it's not easy to swallow, but it's a little easier to swallow than, really. if they, than if they were negligent. Well, because you, but you got to keep this in mind. So like the Pittsburgh Pirates play baseball, right? So it's a completely different structure, completely different sport. And I understand. I'm just, you can't lose money in football. Like, like they're, they're, they're print they're all, every team prints money. They're all making money. So, so, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a profit thing with the job. I mean, they already made their money, but Woody Johnson bought this team for 800 million bucks. They're worth billions now. So it's like, you know, it's not a money thing with them. Of course they want to win, but like, you know, <laughs> James Dolan wants to win. He wants to win terribly. He wants to be able to say, you know, that, that he's, uh, you know, the smartest guy in the room and that, that the Knicks won a championship. But like, do you see the Knicks ever winning a championship with James Dolan as the owner? I mean, I just can't see it. Of course. So, no, I understand. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. All right, well, listen, Jason, I, I appreciate an hour of your time here. I think it's some good conversation. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm torn on it. I'm not a gay guy. Um, I think the clown artwork was one of the, 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 the funniest things I've ever seen. Um, and listen, you've made a name for yourself here crusading to get guys fired. That's kind of – and it's helped your magazine and your, your brand. So I guess that – Yeah, well, I guess – I guess I've been typecast by the Jets, so I figured at that point I might as well be the clown that they think I am. I mean, what the hell is the difference? <laughs> Playing their game wasn't getting me anywhere anyway, so what the hell? Yeah. Well, well, listen, you know, good luck with the magazine. And, and um, for anybody who wants to check it out, it's nysf.com, right? nysfmag.com. nysfmag.com. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we will get you uh, – We'll get you when we post when we post the when we post the pod. We'll we'll get you tagged in it so people can check you out. Appreciate and uh, you know, hopefully the 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 Jets Twitterverse will will really get going with with some of your takes here. So I appreciate, appreciate your time. time. A lot of fun. Feel free to uh, reach back out. No, we'll 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 talk again. We'll talk again, okay. and I'll, I'll hopefully 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 we'll be able to get out there, and and I'll see you out there next year. Sounds good, man. All right, later.